We, we spent a few weeks, uh, or two weeks, in James. We're going we're gonna to look at James 3. Uh, get ready. This is a thing. Um, so James 3, 1 through 12. And yeah, the, it'll be on the screen. If you've got it with you, you can follow along. Um, let's, let's pray. God, thanks for, for, this, for this book, these words. And uh, again, we, we don't know, we don't understand exactly how it works, but um, somehow, Spirit, you get involved with the words that are spoken and, and you do what you do and we just ask that you would help us to be open so that we can hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> James writes, So not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses and make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by humankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Look, family, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. We'll stop there. The tongue is also a fire a world of evil among the body parts, corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of their life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. <laughs> no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed 
Um, but James doesn't do a whole lot of messing around in this letter. Like, he, he, he doesn't mince words. He just sort of says it like it is. Um, sometimes, he's like a great trainer, like a physical trainer. Have you ever had a physical trainer or a coach that sometimes works you harder than you want to work, makes you run farther? Than, you love doing this, don't you, Aaron? Like, you make, you make cross-country dudes run harder and farther and longer than they think they can, and you enjoy inflicting that pain on them. It feels good, right? It's like what James is doing here. They're pushing harder and harder and harder. He's like a great trainer. It's like one of the best trainers you'll find, I think, in the Bible. And he doesn't let up, doesn't let up for a second. So I said this a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to say it again, because I think it's worth, I think it's worth hearing again. I think it's worth thinking through. I think it's worth understanding uh, what, James, what James is really up to in this letter, right? So he doesn't let us slip past the real-life faith in action stuff at all. He doesn't let us cut our spirituality and faith in half, our faith in half. He doesn't let us make it just about the things that we believe, the intellectual thoughts that we have that we just mentally assent to so that one day we get to live with God forever. There's no escapist theology here. This is all down and dirty, do the hard stuff of life. For James, there's no faith in Jesus without following Jesus, right? There's no intellectual assent. There's no belief. There's no faith without getting our hands and feet and body, and in this case, our tongues involved. There's no faith in Jesus without doing the same things we find Jesus doing when we read the stories about him in the Gospels. There's no faith in Jesus without us doing those same things out there in the world. There's no faith in Jesus without mixing it up with the same kinds of people we see Jesus mixing it up with in the stories we read about him in the Bible. There's no faith in Jesus without us mixing it up with the same kinds of people. If we believe that Jesus has the power to resurrect us after we're dead, after we die, this is what we say. If, if we believe that Jesus has the power to do that, then we better believe that Jesus has the power to start that resurrection work now. To start that transformation work now. Changing us into the kind of people that God wants us to be in the here and now. And if that's what's happening, if Jesus is transforming our lives here and now, it probably means that Jesus is messing around in the places in our lives that we might not want Jesus messing around in. It, it means that Jesus is messing around with the places in our lives that might, make us, that might make us uncomfortable. Because training is hard work. You push your, you push your students for a reason. It's hard work, but it works. You didn't know we were going to do a little of this thing today. I didn't either until I got up there, and I'm like, that dude does this work. So, Jesus, if, if we're going to let him, is going to mess around with our tongues this morning. It's that little, that tiny little thing. It's the tiny little organ, that little muscle inside of your mouth that has so much power, Right? 
It's like, a, it's like a bit you put into a horse's mouth. You know, big horse, strong animal. You can make the horse go wherever you want it to go. It's like the rudder on a ship. It's hidden. It's underneath the surface. You can't see people's tongues, but it does some work, right? And that rudder makes the ship go wherever the pilot wants it to go. The tongue is the very definition of small, but so, so powerful. So we're going to do something this morning. And I think we're going to all engage in an activity together. And it's, I think it's an essential part of training to be a follower of Jesus. Um, public confession. You know, you know what confession is? Um, like in the Catholic tradition, you, you sort, it's sort of done in secret. You go into a booth and you, you do the thing with the priest and you get your instructions. We're going to do it together. And we're going to do it publicly and we're going to do it by a show of hands. Yeah. So before you get too nervous, we're all going to do it together, okay? So I'm going to ask a question, and if it applies to you, I would like you to, to, to raise your hand, okay? So how many of us have ever said something deliberately hurtful about someone else to their face or behind their back? You ever done this? On purpose. Have you ever had somebody say something hurtful to you or behind your back? Have you ever had that experience? So we, we know what it's like to do it. We know what it's like to have it done to the, really, Karsten? I'm surprised. How many of us have ever participated in, in gossip? Have you ever done this? How many of us have ever like, heard somebody gossiping and we know it's gossip? And we don't know if it's true. We know they don't know if it's true. They just heard something and now they're giving it to you and we just let them do it. Have we ever done that? How many of us have ever lied? How many of us have ever uh, exaggerated the truth, maybe? Right? just to make ourselves look good? Okay, so if, if you raised your hand on any of those things, I'd just like you to stand. Let's make this real uncomfortable. <laughs> Garrett, are you? <laughs> it's calling out people day, by the way. <laughs> so your turn is coming. Just look around. You can make eye contact, it's okay. Right. I think this gives us a pretty good visual, doesn't it? Of why James like, doesn't mince words. This gives us a pretty good visual of, of why he sort of hits it so hard, about why he just makes a, a really big deal out of it. Because look around, we're all, we're all in the same boat. We're all, it doesn't matter if we're in a room full of you know, 50 to 100 people, or if, or if this was a room full of 1,000 people or more, we're all standing up because we're all here. We're all in this boat. This is, this is a word. And I think this is a word not only for us, but for our world, especially right now. Okay, we can... Thanks for indulging. So James uses a lot of strong imagery here, Right? In this little, you can tell he's really passionate about this. Like he wants to make sure we get it. 
He uses strong imagery, and I'm going to talk about two images that he uses here, fire and water. I'll say two things about fire, and then I'll end with a thing on water, and, and then we can go home and eat lunch. So, first, our words can be fire that scorches the lives of other people. Our words can be fire. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil from among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of their life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. So our words can be fire. We've all done it. We've all had it done to us. We know how much it burns. We even have a phrase, right? Oh, that was a sick burn. Oh, you just got burned. Like, we know this. We feel it. We can go on and on about it. But at the beginning, he gives us this word about teachers. He gives us this word about leaders. He says, not many of you should presume to be teachers, teachers, leaders, those who stand up in front of people and use their tongues to influence others have a greater possibility of setting more and more people on fire. Here I am, standing up in front as a teacher. This is intimidating. This is intimidating stuff. Really intimidating, sobering stuff. Teachers, leaders, we have to pay attention to our words. Uh, and we see this playing itself out on a national stage, right? Sometimes it's, just be honest about it, sometimes it's hard to believe the people who lead us, like the political rhetoric right now, um, I don't know, it feels like it started about seven years ago-ish, right? Leaders began speaking in ways that we'd never really experienced before, and it seemed to give permission for the rest of us to do the same thing. And we've got people saying opposite things um, as if they're true. Uh, sometimes it's difficult to tell the difference between uh, fact and fiction, the difference between reality and conspiracy theory. We have entire groups of people, entire groups, seriously vulnerable people uh, who are being burned like, think about the trans community right now. Like, they're just being scapegoated. There's so much fear and lies and hatred being spread, right? Just to score political points, right? People being unfairly singled out. And as a result, it feels like the whole nation is on fire right now. I don't think that's an exaggeration. Have you heard of this thing called social media? It's this new thing that came out about 20 years ago, I think. Um, everybody has a platform. And now there's more and more people who have the opportunity to just burn people alive. I saw, I saw a post. I'm not going to repeat it. But I saw a post just last week from uh, someone uh, close to someone who's in my position 
uh, they've posted something. Again, not going to repeat it. It just made me so mad. Made me want to. Made me want to cry. Um, just burning people, just for the sake of it. Um, now I don't know about you, but I expect more from the people who lead us. I expect a whole lot more. But here's the deal. Like we just illustrated a little bit ago, we can't let ourselves off the hook. We participate in it. We know what it feels like. Verbal abuse has a way of burning the soul like nothing else. Parents do it to their children. I've done it. Sorry. Love you. I've done it. Children do it to parents, sometimes to grandparents, neighbors to neighbors, strangers to strangers. We know what it feels like. So let's learn from those who lead us, from what we see, and let's do better. Because our words, they can burn people, scorch the lives of others. You've heard it said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. You know what that is? That's a large pile of hot steaming garbage. You thought I was going to say something else. <laughs> I don't know where your minds are. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names, words, it can burn my soul. It can burn your soul. It can burn the soul of a nation. So let's all commit together to watching what we say. Fire, tongue is like fire. Here's the second thing. Words, especially when it's gossip, can spread like wildfire. They can burn individuals. They can take down entire communities. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by just a tiny little spark. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by just a small spark. Our words can spread like wildfire, burning individuals and taking out entire communities. Like th- this happened to, to Renee and me in seminary. Keep in mind, these are people learning to be pastors. Uh, We lost a child to miscarriage. Devastating loss for us. Uh, We had a friend a few weeks after it happened come and and talk to us to see how we were doing. Um, And then she was super kind. Um, And then she shared with us some awkward, weird news that there were some people within the seminary community, again, seminarians, learning to be pastors. Uh, People were saying within the seminary community that that it was okay, that we were relieved, that we didn't want the child anyway. There aren't words to express the level of pain that that caused to us. Being surrounded by people 
learning to be pastors, engaging in that kind of thing. That was the rumor. That was the gossip. That was the thing. And I can kind of understand how it happens. I can kind of picture how it happens. Like it can start, I don't know how it started, but maybe innocently, two, three people out in the parking lot of the seminary housing, just talking. And, and they're standing nearby where we live and they look at our door and then conversation sort of turns to our, our loss. Somebody makes an innocent remark. Must be hard for them. Right? But it would have been pretty difficult to raise a baby in seminary. The baby would have been born in like March, April, or May. I can't remember now. So it would have been a few months. It's just a spark. Then one of the three of them, I imagine, goes home and says to their spouse, I heard that Aaron and Renee were stressed about raising a baby in seminary. I wonder if they're relieved. A flame. And then the next evening, the spouse says to a friend, you'll never guess what I heard. Aaron and Renee are relieved not to have to raise a newborn in seminary. I guess everything's okay because they didn't want the baby anyway. You can imagine how it happens, right? A spark turns into a flame, a flame turns into a fire, and then it spreads and spreads and spreads. Soon the whole community is lit up, and none of it's true. None of it is true. When something gets burned, can you unburn it? I'm not a scientist. I'm asking. Can you unburn it? You can't unburn it. Just think about that. When something gets burned, you can't unburn it. Have you experienced the, the smoke, the hazy, the, the breath, the air quality warnings? like over the last few weeks? Have you seen the pictures of New York City? Like the orange, the people wearing masks? Have you seen this? Seriously. I should have had you put up a picture. That was not smart of me. But it was like New York City had been taken off of the planet and put on Mars. Like literally, it was orange. It looked like an alien planet. All of that from fires thousands of miles away. That's what our words can be like. Right? That's what our sort of nation feels like. It's like hazy. It's like smoky from people thousands of miles away. It makes it hard to see what's real. It makes it hard to sometimes breathe. That's kind of what James is saying. Here. So, next time we hear a, a nice, juicy piece of gossip, or you, you, you hear it about to start, right? By the way, if someone ever comes to you and says, You'll never guess what I heard, like all sorts of warning bells should start going, bring, 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 like this, just go off immediately in your head. You'll never guess what I heard. Danger zone. 
Like, I think it's a good idea. And we're not very good at this because we don't like people to feel awkward. We don't want to confront stuff. We don't want it to, uh, we're, we're afraid of, you know, that sort of thing, awkward interaction. But wh why don't we do it more often where we say, hold on, hold on a second. Do you know what you're about to tell me? Do you know it's true? Do the people you're about to talk about know that you're about to talk? Have you talked to them first? Like, I think we need to be better at awkward conversations like that. Because our words of gossip can spread like wildfire. They hurt individuals, and they can take out entire communities. You've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. We experience it. Like, it's time for us to say stop. We got to be done with this kind of thing. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. Family. It should not be so. We're not done. There's this matter of water, too. Verse 11. Can fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Can a fig tree bear olives or grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt spring produce fresh water. There's a little hint here of hope. There's an idea here that I think we can pluck out and play with and feel good about. Because our words can be like a, like a spring of fresh, life-giving water. And this section from James, I think, isn't just about moral behavior. This is, there's a theological reality here that I, think we need to, that I think we need to dig into because all human beings are made in the image of God, made in the likeness of God. Right? Our words can be like fresh, life-giving water. Where there is water, fresh water, there is life. We can't live without fresh water. Our words can bring out goodness and mercy and justice. Our words are intended to, to build up, to shape, to create, to give new life. And this idea is first found in the first chapter of this book that we love so much, the Bible. It's found in Genesis chapter 1, in reality, when God spoke the universe into being. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was the formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while the spirit, the wind, the breath of God was hovering over the waters and God spoke, breathed, let there be light. And there was light and it was good. And then the poem goes on and God said, and it was so, and it was good. And God said, and it was so, and it was good. And God said, and it was so, and it was good, very good. You and I were created in the image of that creative, life-giving God. Our words, like God's word, in the beginning of it all, in the creation story, our words are intended to bring about good, new, beautiful life. We know these words when we hear them. We know them. They have the power to create a different future, even. Right? Hear the, listen to these words. You'll recognize them. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. 
we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. Can you hear him say it? I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted, every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made plains, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh will see it together. Those words from Martin Luther King Jr. created a different future for this nation. Those words created a new reality for this nation. And we're not done yet. In fact, we need to hear those words more than probably ever. But they created a new reality. And we've all experienced the power of life-giving words, have we not? Good job. Oh, you did such a good job. That was amazing. Do you realize how big your heart is? Oh, you are the most compassionate person I have ever met. How about these words? Thank you. Oh, that meant so much to me. What about these words? I love you. We cannot underestimate the power of those three words. I love you. From parents to children, children to parents to grandparents, I love you. And then there are these words. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God's biggest I love you to all of creation. God with us. This is important, sobering stuff, but also, oh my goodness, hopeful as well. I believe that Jesus, if we let him, has the ability to transform this community into the kind of community that looks and acts differently than what we see displayed out there in the world. I believe that. I believe that Jesus is already doing that. I believe that Jesus has the power to transform us into living streams of fresh water in a dry and parched land. If we can't be different than what we see out there and experience out there, what are we doing here? Right? And I believe, and I think you believe, that we can be that kind of community. But it takes hard work. It takes intentionality. It takes paying attention. It takes being open to the movement of the Spirit. I think that's this kind of community. And I love that. Let's pray.